Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. Eight of the top 10 Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish life. We are Irish life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. This week I was joined in studio by Robert Finnegan, Chief Executive of Mobile Phone Operator 3 Ireland. We spoke about the coming of 5G, new innovations, rural broadband and the company's struggles to make a profit. Now, I'm delighted to introduce a new segment to the Inside Business podcast this week. I'm joined in studio by Peter Hamilton and Peter's going to be with me every week just to round up some of the main news stories of the week. And this week, Peter, we're going to be talking about property, economic confidence and cryptocurrency. We'll start with property first and some figures from the CSO showing that our love affair with property continues. Absolutely. And it's appropriate on Valentine's Day that this love affair does continue. 12.3% was the increase to December in annual property prices and that won't come as good news for people looking to get on the residential ladder. It's the fastest growth rate in two and a half years. Good if you're a property owner though. Good if you're a property owner if you're trying to sell, but but not particularly good if you're if you're if trying you're to get on the ladder. And yeah. there were a, a number of signals this week that people trying to get on the ladder is going to be quite difficult. That DAFT report earlier in the week suggesting that rents are going to rise to two and a half thousand euro before they start to taper. That that's, that's two and a half thousand a month in Dublin, and so that particularly worrying. On the other side of the scale, for commercial investors, it has been quite a good week and the news that Core, in- Core Industrial are planning to raise £225 million from their initial public offering will mm. will come as good news to some. And then Google, the, the deal with Kennedy Wilson to move out to Sandyford, they're taking just shy of 53,000 square feet yeah, there. Which suggests more jobs. It suggests well. It suggests that there'll be more activity in the suburbs, which is which is something that people mm. who are worried about maybe the there's more overcrowding on the Lewis, though, which mightn't come as uh, such good uh, news for some people. Uh, absolutely. Now, on the flip side, Karen Holmes was looking for uh, permission for a development of uh, student accommodation, six hundred units which has been described by some locals as a monstrosity. It has. There's been a, a raft of opposition to this, particularly by TDs. One of those was Richard Boyd Barrett, who said the height, the mass and the scale is mm. not appropriate for the area. Now, there are there are other uh, developments that are running into problems in Fox Rock, Victoria Homes, a smaller development, only eight homes. But on board, Planola rejected that, saying it was visually obtrusive and some of the residents were concerned that that would depreciate property prices. Again, bad news if you're trying to get on the ladder, but some good news uh, from Dillisk last week, who said they're planning to raise €200 million Euro, uh, to help with buy-to-let mortgage lending. So this is investors, landlords, to try and help them fund uh, rental properties, uh, essentially. And Dillisk, uh, we should remind people, own the ICS uh, mortgages brand, 
which they took off Bank of Ireland or bought off Bank of Ireland uh, a few years back. All right. Well, economic confidence, uh, it would seem you only have to walk around the streets of Dublin, I, I think, to realise that the economy is well in recovery after uh, some years of austerity. And there's a bit of a feel-good factor coming into the economy now. There is. The boom is back in the construction industry, one would think. Uh, it's been a strong start to the year. Activity, new orders and employment, they've all been up according to the Ulster Bank Purchasing Manage- Managers Index. And that's gone up to 61.4 from 58 in December. Bearing in mind that the level above 50 is one that signals expansion. Mm. On the consumer side, great uh, great sentiment there as well from KBC Bank and ESRI. It's been it's at the highest level in 17 years, boosted by a sense that the economy is on a strong yeah, tra- trajectory. No. Now, there is a health warning. There is a health warning that it's January and consumer sentiment is always higher in January. And we shouldn't forget that Eason's chairman, David Dilger, wrote to shareholders recently and he said they had a good Christmas overall. Their uh, online shopping was up 31%, but the footfall in shopping centres and in their bricks-and-mortar stores was broadly flat, just marginally ahead, only marginally ahead. That's a real challenge for traditional retailers like Eason's. Absolutely. Retailers are facing a big challenge, and, and one would think that's going to be exacerbated in the coming years with the investors like Green Reed, for example, expanding their logistics offering out by the airport and Core Industrial as well. That could pave the way for an Amazon expansion uh, in Ireland, if they so wish. Yeah, and of course, uh, Post is making a big move into the whole e-commerce area and they've uh, reached an agreement with their workers that they're going to deliver uh, more parcels in the evening and off-peak and and all that. Anyway, we'll see how that plays out. Not such a good news story uh, up the north, though. Uh, Shoppers tightened the purse strings in January. Indeed, they did. uh, And the numbers on the main streets and the retail parks dropped 1.2%. It was the eighth month in a row fewer people went out to spend in the north. And it's said there that local and national politics are strongly influencing Mm. shoppers. What one would think is at play there is the Brexit effect and then of course we had this Copenhagen report from Copenhagen Economics Uh, that study said that a hard Brexit could hit unskilled workers uh, on lower wages harder than skilled workers and could ultimately lead to a fall in real wages of 8.8%. And the overall impact on the island of Ireland could be 18 billion euro, up to 18 billion euro, that's the worst case scenario it's pretty grim reading it is. It's grim. It is certainly grim, and it's grimmer for Irish exporters, one would imagine. But on the on the other side, we had Enterprise Ireland suggesting that Irish exporters should look to the north of England because that that area has some opportunity for exporters. They said that uh, food manufacturers, I, I guess, and, and the like. Well, not not well, not not just not that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but under the UK's Northern Powerhouse Initiative, they said that that area of the UK was ripe for growth. Uh, from Irish firms. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. If you're worried about Brexit, maybe you should put your money into cryptocurrency. It's been making the headlines uh, again, not just Bitcoin, there's a lot of them about. And Fiona Redden, uh, one of our colleagues, uh, went to Dublin's first crypto cafe on Angel Street in Dublin city centre and she had a good a good nose she, around she a did good, indeed if you chat to some of these people these currency traders if you're trying to spend your hard earned bitcoin billions uh, the crypto cafe in Angel Street may be one of the places you can you can buy a, a coffee and a muffin there if you want and if you don't want to spend it you can just talk to your friends about Ethereum and the like now it hasn't been all good for cryptocurrencies this week uh, on Sunday Irish government websites were infected by a code that caused web browsers to mine digital currencies so the HSC the Eructus website and safe food were all affected there. This meant that the, the the people who were infecting these computers could mine it through other people's computers. Okay. So not something you particularly want, but this came as Irish banks said that they're monitoring investment into cryptocurrencies. But the good news is that South Dublin County Council is going, going to have nothing to do with it. No, they won't. They won't. They will not let you spend your, your Bitcoin money there. Uh, 
if they did accept it, you could have paid for property tax, parking fines or swimming pool fees through Bitcoin, Ethereum and the like. But uh, not anymore, as the council rejected the motion put forward to them. Yeah. Uh, Rather bizarre in the first place. I mean, who? how many people in South Dublin <laughs> County Council area would be seeking to pay with uh, Bitcoin well, well, or fines or pay property it, tax, etc.? It could be it could be a hive of activity in South County Dublin. Uh, Bit, Bitcoin could be big there. It, it's very difficult yeah, to do. Yeah, most of South County Dublin's in Dunleary right down, mm-hmm. mind you. But anyway, um, all right, we'll uh, we'll leave you there, uh, Peter. Thank you for that, and you'll be back next week uh, to fill us in on some of the some of the top headlines next week. Thanks, Thank you. Peter. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, I'll be joined in studio by Robert Finnegan, the chief executive of mobile phone operator Three Ireland. We'll be speaking about five G, new technology and innovations, rural broadband, and the company's struggles to make a profit. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Now, welcome back to this Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Let me remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. I'm joined in studio now by Robert Finnegan, the chief executive of 3Ireland, the country's second biggest mobile phone operator. Now, Robert, uh, you're very welcome to the show. I should uh, ask you at this moment when the Irish economy very definitely in recovery, consumer confidence seems to be very strong, unemployment falling, all of that. Uh, to quote Bertie Hearn, the boom seems to be getting boomier. And just wondering what impact it's having on Tree Ireland's business. Um, our business continues to grow. Um, but, you know, our business has been growing for a number of years. Um, as you know, Kieran, we started off in 2005, um, came into the market, bought a license mm. off Comrade, um, and started as a new entrant. Grew our share to 10% and then looked to acquire O2, which we did, and we're now up to 35%. And our growth has been predicated on providing good value to our customers and very good service. Um, and we pioneered the all-you-can-eat uh, data offering, and that has been hugely successful for us. Tell, tell us the, about that. What do you mean all-you-can-eat? Well, basically, offer? when people subscribe to our tariffs, um, they get all the data that they need, and they don't go out of bundle, so they continually use whatever data, whether that's mm. 100 gigs of data or 10 gigs or 2 gigs. It, uh, it really doesn't matter. They have it within their tariff. And how much are they paying for that? Uh, well, it depends. Month. They can get that for a 20 euro top-up, or they can get it on, a, on their contract when they get into contract. So in terms of contracts, what, what, are we, what are we looking at per month? Contract per month is uh, 45 euro. Um, okay. How does that compare with, let's say, three in the UK? Three in the UK, it's a different market. Um, it's, uh, so we were so more expensive, I presume. No, because three in the UK, I was just going to go on and say that actually three in the UK don't offer all-you-can-eat data. We're one of the only operators across Europe that offer it. Um, and it's been massively successful. Do you know we carry 66% of traffic, of all traffic on the mobile world in Ireland on our network? And yet we have 35% market share. And that's testimony to the success of that particular tariff. Hmm. So why aren't you the biggest player in the market if it's so successful? Well, Vodafone are still ahead of you. Well, we're 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 getting there. You know, we're going to, we're growing our share, um, and we'll continue to grow it. And we're still integrating and modernising the O2 network that we bought. You know, we're committed to building out a state of the art network. We said that to the European Commission um, when we were buying O2, and we've we've delivered on. We're delivering on that. You know, we will have the biggest footprint of any network in the country when we're finished, and we're very close to finishing. And we're already carrying more data than all the other networks put together, um, and we're providing you know the speeds that all the others are, are providing as well. So we're getting there and we're delivering on our promises for our customers. And, you know, I firmly believe that as we move forward, we'll have more and more customers joining us. So just talk uh, talk to us then about your investment plans. I mean, how much has uh, Hutch, Hutchinson, your, your parent company, if you like, in Hong Kong, how much have they put behind Three Ireland? How much have they invested in total? 
well, just for your listeners, just to understand who C.K. Hutchison are, they're, they're a typical conglomerate in the old sense of the world. You know, they're, they're in telecoms, obviously, in Ireland and in many markets, but they're also the, big, the largest container terminal operator in the world, with Felix Port, Thamesport, the Port of Rotterdam, etc. Um, and they're the largest health and beauty retailer in the world, with brands like Savers, Superdrug, Cryvert on the continent, and A.S. Watson in Asia. And the reason that's important is because they have scale and mass. Their debt-to-equity ratio is 23%, mm. and they're sitting on 20 billion US dollars on their balance sheet. Now, again, why that's important is because they're a very stable uh, organization, very low debt levels, high amounts of cash, which means that they can fund investments. And it means that the entities that they invest in don't have to repatriate funds to the parent to pay off debt, which a lot of local Irish companies are in our industry have to do and has curtailed their investment. So getting back to the question about how much have they invested, to date we've invested 1.8 billion euro. Um, and about half of that was uh, in building the business organically from zero to about 10%. Pre-02. Pre-02, and the other half was in terms of the investment in 02 itself. Now, we're continuing to, in addition to that, we self-fund uh, investment in our network, and we've been investing well over 100 million a year for the past four years, every year. And we'll continue to invest well over 100 million a year over the next number of years as well, modernizing networks, buying 5G spectrum so that we're future ready for our customers. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about 5G in a minute. But I mean, let's just talk about the the financials around uh, three. And this is something we've spoken about uh, before in a different uh, context. But if we take your latest statutory accounts, which admittedly are for 2016, it shows that your your loss um, that year, you made a loss that year just under 2.6 million. And that was down substantially from 2015 when the loss was uh, just under 45 million euro. But your accumulated losses, uh, which I I presume date back to when uh, you came into the market, uh, are eight, we're 860 million euro at the end of uh, 2016. How does that reconcile? I mean, first of all, how do Hutch feel about losing that type of money in the market, sitting on that kind of a, a, an accumulated loss? And how does it reconcile with the successes that you're talking about having on the ground with customers, more data, traffic than all the other networks put well, together? When you get into a market, you, you, you go in one or two ways. You either acquire by getting in or you grow organically. If you acquire, you make a capital investment. That's quite substantial. In our case, our investment was in operating losses <clears throat> in terms of getting into the market. And that's where we grew from 0 to 10%. So Hutch are very pleased with their investment. You know, Our EBITDA percentage at the moment is about 32% and growing. We're one of the highest EBITDA percentages in the market in that respect. So in terms of their return, uh, they're very, very pleased with their investment and they're looking to continue to invest. Right. And in, if we had the 2017 accounts in front of us, would they show you made a profit or a loss? Well, we, um, you know, we're in a closed period at the moment. Um, obviously, for uh, public, uh, you know, we're a public company, so we can't disclose our numbers until they're publicly disclosed through our parent company. Um, but I will say, as I say, our, our shareholder is very pleased with our investment. Right. Uh, But is the company profitable at at the minute or when will it be profitable? When would you expect it? The company is profitable at the moment and we continue, we expect to continue to be profitable as we go forward. All right. So on a run rate basis, you're you're, you're currently, you're currently uh, profitable. All right. By the way, you never answered me about uh, what uh, what a similar plan in the UK would would cost you. But the point, 45 uh, euro. But it's a different tariff. It's different. You know, what's in your tariff is very important. So what you're getting in terms of minutes and texts and data in the UK, they don't offer all you can eat data. So they have a much, much lower bundle of data. So we're one of the only operators across Europe that offer that and our customers love it okay. and we'll continue to offer it. Our competitors hate it but yeah. our customers love it. Sure. Okay. Now 5G, you mentioned uh, 5G, you bought some Spectrum 
uh, I think it was 2016. That's uh, right. 15 million euro. Or, Actually, it was or last year, 2017. 17, okay. Yeah. And it was about 15 million euro, I think. That's right. Uh, is the sum, is we the didn't sum just buy some Spectrum, Kieran. We bought the largest holding of Spectrum right. in the market. And we're the only operator that bought 100 megahertz right across the country. Now, 100 megahertz is the um, amount of Spectrum that is internationally recognized as the amount you need to provide the, the optimum service. The, the, with us having a ubiquitous um, spectrum across the country means we can offer the same service in Donegal as we can in Dublin. No other operator can do that. And again, this is testimony to the investment that we're putting into the market to make sure that we as a business are future ready for our customers. Yeah, OK. Well, we might just... Let's just talk about that for a, a moment, actually, because uh, I'm a customer of uh, 3 Ireland. Um, and like everybody else, I suppose, we have frustrations from time to time. Sometimes you don't always get 4G. You, you look at your phone, you're on 3G. Sometimes when you're on 3G, 4G, you can't get connected to the internet. Sometimes you can't make a call. Even in Dublin, there's sometimes you just find you can't make a call. We all have frustrations. It gets worse down the country, particularly in parts of uh, rural Ireland. I mean, why is that? Why is it in this day and age that people are still having that problem, even in Dublin? Well, we're, we're continually integrating our network and building out, so we're still completing the integration of the two networks. But we will have gone from 1,700 sites under 02 to 2,200 sites. Now, the reason that's important is that that's increasing voice and text coverage right across the country, not just 4G or 3G. So we're investing in all areas. New tech areas like Donegal, we have tripled the amount of 3G sites in that area, and we have put up to 100 4G sites in that area. And as a result, we're now gaining substantial share in that, in that area. But there are going to be problems from time to time. Um, you know, and we're what we're doing is we're continuing to in, increase the number of sites in order to cover that off. Some is driven through just increased capacity. I mentioned about the amount of data that we're carrying on our network. That's increasing 50% every year. Um, and that's substantial. So you're managing, if you can imagine a factory where your you know, requirement or, or your output has to increase 50% a year, that's an awful lot to manage. And that's what we're doing. And we don't make an, and we're not making excuses for it. It's great. Um, but there will be uh, issues from time to time. And our job is to make sure that those get less and less. Yeah, okay, so what will 5G mean? How will 5G be different from 4G, 3G, etc.? Well, 3G, 3G was very different to 2G. 2G was voice and text. 3G was about access to the internet, but maybe not as fast as people wanted. 4G is about very good speeds. You can get up to 100 megabits per second. 5G will take that even further, and it's almost like real time. And you could get up to 100 times what you'd experience on 4G, potentially. Um, and what it does is it provides real opportunity to get into areas in, in our industry that we're not in at the moment. So when people talk about connected car, in a connected car, for example, you need very, very fast speeds, very low latency. So in other words, interaction with the network, almost real time. Otherwise, you'll end up with a serious problem. So 5G provides you with that. And the interesting thing about 5G as well is it'll provide access to broadband at really, really fast speeds in rural areas where people will want it. Right. At a price that they can afford? Absolutely. Um, so when are, you, when are you going to roll out 5G? When is it going to be available? Well, first of all, handsets are not 5G ready yet, and they probably okay. won't be 5G ready for another 18 months, 24 months. But I think in the interim, what will be where, where we will see the opportunity for 5G will be in areas like fixed wireless access. So providing um, an alternative to broadband uh, on a, a fibre link to customers in areas either where they already have it but can get it at more economic rates or in areas where they can't get broadband at the moment. And we'll see that happening towards the end of this year, early next year. Yeah. So how much, how much of an investment is that going to require from you guys? That's going to, that's going to you know, as we finish off our 4G investment of 100 million, the 100 million then moves into 5G as we roll that out. And um, we're currently looking at, um, you know, evaluating that at the moment in terms of where we go first and how we do it and how quickly we can do so. Right. Any sense? Can you give us any sense of, of where you might land first? Where we might land in terms of? Of 5G. 
Um, I think the first, as handsets are not available for, mm. for a while, I think the first application will be in fixed wireless access. And we'll look at that, whether it's in the rural areas, potentially, as well as some urban areas that can't get it at the moment. Yeah, right. So we'll look at where the demand is and where the need is um, and try and meet that need. So 100 million a year, roughly, investment in Continuous 5G. investment in, well, in, in all aspects for a network, including 5G, absolutely. Okay. And how long does 5G last then? What kind of lifespan does well, that have we, before you know, we get to 6G or something else? <laughs> we would hope it, it has a, a good shelf life because clearly, you know, you, we're paying for these licenses. There's an investment. There's an investment in terms of equipment and rollout, yeah. uh, you know, in hundreds of millions every year and to keep pace with capacity as well. And, you know, we would expect that to last for five or ten years. But that's not to say that people cannot get very fast broadband across mobile currently. I mean, recently I was talking to the CEO of a very well-known consumer brand uh, that operates out of rural Monaghan. And he was telling me he was waiting for three years for fixed line broadband for fibre. He was uh, recommended to talk to three. He talked to us. We put in a mobile solution for him. And his engineers now no longer have to go home and send their files from home, their technical files. They can send them from their offices. And he's delighted with it. So there are solutions there. So if people have issues in broadband, they should talk to us or go onto our website. Right. OK, let's go plug now. I'm sure if I was Joe Duffy and I had a, a live uh, phone-in show, we'd have lots of people ringing in and saying, hold on a second, I have three and I, I pay for this and I pay for that and I don't get half what I pay for. I'm sure there'd be a lot of people out there who'd be frustrated with the services they get as well. But the services are improving continuously and people's demands are improving as well and we're there to meet those demands. So where we see capacity issues or we see contention, we put in more sites, we put in more capacity, we're continuously doing it. Keeping pace with this is obviously a challenge when you're growing yeah. 50% a year, but that's what we're there to do. Yeah. Um, so if somebody's considering maybe purchasing a, a mobile phone uh, or looking at broadband services, uh, looking at mobile telecom services in the round and they're thinking, mm, will I go for Vodafone or will I go for 3 or maybe... Tesco or Virgin Media or some of the other air, uh, some of the other players in the market. Why should I choose three? Well, I'm not going to talk about my competitors, but what I will, will say about three is that what you'll get with three is you'll get very good service. You'll get all you can eat packages, um, which no other operator provides. And that's why we have, we're carrying the amount of data on our network that nobody else is carrying, because people who are data savvy, who are young, are coming onto our network. Now, the National Broadband Plan has had, um, it's received many headlines uh, very recently. Air have pulled out. Um, it leaves ENET as the only player standing in that uh, auction uh, process. And lots of people feel that it's doomed to failure now. And AIR have said publicly that they, you know, warned the government about their concerns uh, a year or so ago. And real concerns now that parts of rural Ireland that haven't been well served by broadband and by telecoms uh, in recent years, that they're going to be left without broadband and proper telecom services for uh, a number of years to come. And it's such an important piece of infrastructure now for any modern economy. What's your view of it? Did Tree look at entering that process? We're not part of the tender process of the National Broadband Plan, um, so I can't really comment on it. Um, but what did I, you look at it? I mean, did you consider entry? No, we didn't. Re we didn't consider it. We were we were involved in integrating O2 um, at the time, so timely. It wasn't the right time for us to look at it. Mm. I think conceptually, it's correct in terms of delivering. You know, the government in inter um, intervening in areas where it's uneconomic to provide um, fibre for the you know the private uh, sector to do so. So that that's absolutely correct. I think also, but it's also important to understand that everybody talks about the National Broadband Plan and fibre. And actually, to my knowledge, all of the um, interested parties were using an element of mobile in the, that solution as well, particularly in the rural areas where it just, even with intervention, it would not be economic to provide fibre to a region. So it's like trying to provide a motorway to a wind's house. It's not necessary and it's too expensive. And I think what we will see is we will play a part in providing broadband to rural Ireland through our network, through our 4G services and through our 5G services where it's required at an economic um, value to the customer. 
Mm. So do we need this national broadband plan? I think, you know, I think it is, it, 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 there is certainly a need uh, in certain areas, and I think it's commendable. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of my dealings with the department and, and how it's been conducted, while we weren't involved in this particular plan, we've tendered for uh, other um, plans that have come up through the department, and I've found them to be very thorough, very professional, and very competent in the way that they've handled them. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about technology and innovation, maybe. What can we expect in the next uh, number of years? Because if you go back 10 years, people were probably using the old Nokia phones, maybe a bit longer than 10 years, using the old Nokia phones, as you said, just really for voice calls and texts. That's all changed uh, enormously. Now people are you know, moving away from televisions and uh, downloading box sets and what have you, watching TV, uh, streaming it on their tablet or on their phone that's big enough, etc. So what kind of innovation, what kind of changes in technology can we expect over the next five to ten years? I think there's a number of changes that are taking place. I think there's a change in how people are using data and information, as you say, and, and where they're getting it from. You know, we recently had the Three Connected Ireland uh, report that came out. Um, we used a Moroc that surveyed a surveyed a thousand people as to what they use their handset for and how they use it. And and most people would say, oh, you know, my handset it it causes me um, tension or whatever. But actually, over fifty percent said they use it to relax, to watch TV. Well, over fifty percent of parents said they use it to build a better relationship with their children, which was quite interesting as well. But important for you, Kieran, um, what mm -hmm. was interesting was that in terms of where people get their information or their news throughout the day. You know, well over 30% were saying they get it from Facebook, with less than 4% saying that they get it from newspapers, even though online uh, news was about 14%, so about 18, less than 20%. And that's quite interesting because it's a major social change in where people are getting information from and also what they're trusting. And that has implications for corporations as well, like ourselves. You know, it's no longer a case, and actually there was a recent survey conducted in the States where 68% of people said that they no longer trust TV advertising or advertising coming from a company, and they would rather trust a stranger's view than that of the, the company itself. Now, that's got implications as well in terms of how you um, portray yourself within an organisation and how important trust is uh, in, in, from a, a company point of view and from your consumer's point of view. And that's why what we try and do is, while we may not always get things right, we will endeavour to ensure we put the customer first and, and improve things. As we go forward, what's mm. down the line? I think that um, it's going to be hugely exciting from a technology point of view. Uh, 5G opens up worlds in terms of um, the connected home, so allowing people to access their security systems, control the temperature of their house, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, through their through their handset. I think also that in terms of um, looking after the elderly, I think it uh, you know five G will have a role to play there in terms of um, people being able to possibly stay at home longer rather than move into. Um, assisted living areas uh, with nurses, etc. So I think there's massive areas, not to mention connected car and, and all the other things that have been touted over the years. Now, why anybody would want a, a, a driverless connected car, I certainly don't know because I like driving my own car myself, I have to say. But there's massive opportunities out there as we move forward and it's a really, really exciting time for technology. Yeah, okay. Now, you've been with the company uh, since inception in Ireland, which is, what, heading for 13 years now? That's correct. So what's, uh, you know, how much longer are you uh, going to carry on this role or have you thoughts about uh, what, you might, what else you might like to do? Um, you know, I, yeah, when I joined 3, I was the new kid on the block and everybody had been here for years and donkey's years in the industry. Now I find myself, as you say... You're the, the senior hand now. <laughs> Frightening. But um, no, times are... Every, every year is different. Every year is uh, interesting. It's intriguing. The emergence of 5G, the completion of our integration of O2 uh, business into 3. You know, all of that has taken shape and uh, it's a really exciting time for me and the team that I have working with me. Yeah. But 13 years is a long time, isn't it, for any, any one leader? What do they say? Well, I look Six, across... Six, seven, eight years is maybe... 
maybe the, no. the optimum time? I look across to Ryanair and Michael O'Leary and I think I'm only uh, a fledgling at this point. Right, Michael O'Leary's your inspiration, is he? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, three is obviously uh, sponsor to the national soccer team and it was a great disappointment that we didn't make uh, the World Cup this year. Uh, as, you, as you look back on it, how do you reflect on that? Obviously, disappointing for three. Presumably, you had plans in place to, you know, milk the sponsorship. How do we make the, how do we make the World Cup? Well, we have a number of sponsorships. Uh, soccer is obviously really important to us. We also have the three arena, which is really important as well. Um, yeah, well, look, we had a great run at the Euros. Um, it was fantastic. We were able to offer um, access to our customers that they might not have been able to get elsewhere. So, and at the even in the latest campaign, you know, we had a roller coaster ride with that, uh, you know, going getting into the playoffs itself, which was a fantastic result in Cardiff, and then the draw in uh, Copenhagen, and then bringing it back to the Viva, which was a little bit disappointing, obviously. Um, but no, we're very pleased with our sponsorship. Um, we don't sponsor just for the sake of an ego trip. or sp- It's for the access uh, that we can and the loyalty that we can provide to our customers in terms mm-hmm. of ticketing access, etc. And similarly with the three arena, you know, the opportunity to, to be able to provide pre-ticketing access for gigs that are taking player is hugely um, in- interesting for our customers and it's hugely wa- wanted. So, you know, the, the, the sponsorships are there for a reason. They play a massive part in our, our loyalty program to reward our customers for being with us um, and we see them continuing. How long do you how long are you signed up with the FAI for? Our contract runs to twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, okay. Because it's a bit of a lull in competitive activity now, isn't it? There's this new League of Nations coming up. Nobody's really sure how that's going to pan out, and we don't have the qualifiers for the next European Championships until I think they begin in the spring of next year. That's right. Yes, but there's a lot of matches to come, and uh, you know they're always very well supported, and uh, that's the great thing about Irish soccer. You know, we always uh, we, we like to have our views, but we always get behind the team in the end. Yeah, sure. So finally, um, Robert. Just in terms of the economy, everybody's uh, talking very positively about the economy, uh, and it seems now as if it's starting to percolate outside of Dublin as well. It's hitting some of the some of the um, uh, urban centres outside Dublin and some of the rural areas, uh, perhaps as well. What are you What are you seeing? What's your view of it? I would um, I say, yeah, absolutely. I see the economy improving. I, we see uh, you know spend levels increasing as people. We see more people going abroad in terms of roaming as well. Um, and, you know, I live down the country in Dunmore East uh, at the weekend and uh, I see the recovery permeating down to Waterford as well and, and, and areas outside of uh, the, the greater Dublin area. And that's good. You know, and when you talk about the expansion of population as well, that's got to be good in terms of over the next number of years, we we'll see the population increasing by, I think it's a million in terms of the latest plans or whatever. And all of those people will need mobiles. So it's going to be good for us. And what about three zone expansion? Will you be hiring more people? Um, we're always looking to hire good people um, in our business um, in, in different areas as we get into 5G, as we expand into new business areas, whether it's the connected home, e-health, etc. We're always looking at bringing in expertise. All right. Great. Well, we wish you luck and thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Greg. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Robert Finnegan and Peter Hamilton. Declan Conlon produced the show with Rob O'Sullivan as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today. Email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 